It's Sunday, January 3rd. That can only mean one thing. We actually survived 2020. Oh my goodness. What is the Whoa. new year gonna bring to the table? We honestly don't know, but something that makes us feel very old is whenever years go by and you get the Facebook memories, you get all these uh, video game and movie websites saying, hey, 10 years ago, X or Y game came out. Like, did you know that 10 years ago, we got games like Dark Souls 1, Deus Ex, Portal 2, and so many more. And uh, even Portal 2, it's like, it is the sequel, right? And that was 10 years old. Same thing with Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 3. So on this exciting edition of A Cast of the Past, we're just gonna be reacting to games that came out 10 years ago and feel very old. With yours truly, Juan Velas from Puerto Rico. Joining me from London, Ontario, we got Keith Hamilton. Now, Keith, when I say Portal 2 and Modern Warfare 3 are uh, 10 years old, how, oh. how you feeling, man? It hurts so bad to think that this is 10 years ago because at this point in my life, this is when I was like deep into video game coverage. Like I was listening to video game podcasts daily, right. checking out all Giant the new Bomb. games. Yep, Giant Bomb was a big thing. I think this was post one up at this point, but just consuming as much coverage as I could, playing these games as they're coming out. To think that that's 10 years ago now, like that, it hurts. It genuinely hurts me to think about when you said that Modern Warfare 3 is 10 years old, just like I felt a sharp electric pain go through my body. Because that's not even the game that I played the most of. That's when I started to fall off of Call of Duty. And We're that 10 was 10 years, years ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's shocking to think about. And I'm, this is going to be a roller coaster of emotions. It really is. It really is. And everybody watching and uh, listening, remember that we do have a Discord over at acastofthepast.com slash Discord. You can join the conversation there. Uh, we have a food Discord. We have a video game one, all that good stuff. And then you can also drop a five-star review on your favorite uh, podcast app of choice, whether it be Stitcher, Apple Podcast, or anything, or subscribe at youtube.com slash past. And without further ado, we did a, a lot of research, which is just, I have, a, I have a big old Wikipedia page here because chronologically, it is interesting to go back in, the, in this uh, time. So Keith, we're going back. This is my zone. This is my comfort zone. PS3, 360 generation. I what agree. What would you say, generally speaking, forget about release dates. Like what, were, what was the one definitive game that you think you were playing in uh, 2011? 2011. So... We are a year out from Mass Effect 2. Um, was what, what was the big November game of 2010? So that would have been Call of Duty Black Ops then, right? So I was probably playing a lot of Black Ops at this point, early 2011. And was Skyrim 2010? I can't uh, Skyrim remember. Skyrim came out November 11th, 2011. And it the, is okay. still coming out today. I mean, you can yeah, say it's exactly. still coming out today. It's probably still happening. Okay, so I hadn't I hadn't touched Skyrim yet. So yeah, it was probably a lot of Black Ops at this point. I mean, Black Ops, uh, it's one of those games that I, I dropped hard after Modern Warfare 2. Because you and I, we played a lot of Modern Warfare 2. We played a lot of Modern Warfare 2. Like, that, yeah. that was my Call of Duty. I think everybody has their 
big like moment in the Call of Duty trenches. Like that was the one for me where I prestiged multiple times. I was all about getting the different emblems and the different tags and stuff in that game. I played a lot of Call of Duty um, Modern Warfare 2 multiplayer. Not so much Black Ops. I definitely had like a surge with it early in the year, but I fell off a hell of a lot harder. Same thing. Uh, And it's interesting because... I think in this point forward, I can't exactly pinpoint which games I was playing this year. I do remember falling off hard from first-person shooters, going from only playing those exclusively to almost playing none of them for like the next five years. And uh, that's actually me with third-person games at this point because there was a big like surgence of third-person action games. Your Uncharted, your Gears of War. I played a lot of them for a while, but around this time, like I was totally burned out of the Uncharted franchise. Uh, Gears was something that was hanging on by a thread. And you and I played through Gears too. And that's one of my favorite gaming memories like ever that weekend that we just plowed through that game. But you started having games like Resident Evil 5 leaning really heavy into that um, third person action. That's where that um, that's where that fatigue was happening for me. The first person fatigue didn't really happen till a lot later for me because shooter wise there i mean i still played all of the call of duties that came out and there was like better first person experiences in my opinions through the things like um the valve series of games this isn't a 2011 game but i think at this time i was playing a hell of a lot of team fortress 2 now that i'm thinking back at it and that was like my online competitive first person we gave game up our life for that game basically for a very, very, very long time. There was a there was a point in my life where I would just sit on a server as I went to bed and just like farm hats in that game and farm weapons because you got like drops as you played the game and I just needed that. I, I got into the key trading market. That was really one of the first slippery slopes I fell down where I was going on websites and looking like, oh, okay, this um this hat that came out for Hitman Absolution is worth one pair of headphones that um, is worth 24 keys. And it was a, it was a, it was dark time in my life, but God, I loved it so much. And gaming was never the same. It wasn't. And uh, one of the games that you mentioned is Mass Effect 2, which initially came out on Jan uh, 2010 for the Xbox 360. But something that was interesting is that game was exclusive. And even before we hit the record button, I forgot about that because it wasn't up until January 2011 that we got that on on PlayStation 3. But then something that was always interesting to me is like we never got Mass Effect 1 on on PS3. And I like yeah. to like, what was your take around this point with this whole exclusivity battle? Because it did happen a lot, especially like PS3 360. I think this whole like six months to a year, it was very common. And usually PlayStation 3 games came after the editions on, on 360. Mm -hmm. This was really like the last time that the console exclusives was as prominent as they were. Like even looking in future years, that's when it started to die down. It exists to a degree now still, but it's definitely not as prominent. It's a situation where it didn't really bother me because I had both consoles. So I just played whichever one. I would either play the one that it 
existed on or if it was a multiplayer game i would play the one where my friends were so if it came down to like oh okay call of duty is on uh xbox 360 so are my friends i'm gonna pick up that version but the exclusivity thing was never something that really bothered me because i owned both systems now things are a little different these days as things get more expensive in um with these next generation of consoles you start to really feel that exclusivity more especially when it's like one console is really leaning hard on new games and the other is really leaning on its backlog of games so it feels more prominent now than it does i would argue as like more prominent than it did back in the day yeah that's actually a good observation i think that it's interesting because as us as, a, as adults now even though you bring up a great point consoles are more expensive now but we are able to save up, right? Going back to 2011, it's not, it's not like we were kids then, which, I mean, it makes us feel old now just thinking yeah, about that. We didn't have that. things like a mortgage at that exactly. point. Exactly. It's like, but I own the freaking house. I remember on like the Canadian version of Black Friday called Boxing Day. It's the day after Christmas. I remember going out and picking up an Xbox 360 for like 150 bucks. It was the non-elite version. It was kind of the standard model, but even now, so late in its life si- life cycle, I don't think you could pick up a PS4 for 150 bucks. No, so if anything, with uh, the pandemic and all that, they kind of match in price with like when when they first came out. Like here in Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. I saw a couple for like 300, 350, especially because the Pro and and even the X, uh, the Xbox One X, like they're really hard to find. So it was a lot easier then to have both consoles and not really worry about exclusivity. Yeah, exactly. So running down the line here with a couple of different games, we're not going to take our time to discuss every single one because otherwise it would be a a five-hour episode. But we want to just like give everybody a friendly reminder, hey, these games are 10 years old and then we'll pick out a couple of uh, a couple of the ones that really stick out to us. And this so is come, a, get sad with us as we exactly. go on this adventure. <laughs> and this is the critically acclaimed list. So this is not every single game, but I think it's a nice context piece. So some of the games that came out include uh, Little Big Planet 2, which came out Jan 18th, 2011. I was never a really big fan of Little Big Planet any of them because they were too floaty. I love the concept. Don't get me wrong. I like the the concept is great. And I got swept up in the hype of the first one. I actually found a store that broke street date on Little Big Planet one and got it early and was checking it out. But just the um, it's a game where I really like checking out the things that other people make, but would never take the time to actually make something myself. And when you're limited by that in a game, it's kind of it's it's really easy to fall off of that quite quickly. Now, this is one that I'm so sad to admit I have never played because I love the first one. This game came out for Xbox 360 on January 25th, Dead Space 2. Did you play that one? Oh, that is a phenomenal game. I It makes me so sad that you've never played it. it it's easily one of the best games that came out that year. It is because you love Dead Space 1 and it's oh, yeah. just that game but better and say what you will about dead space 3 but as far as i'm concerned this is the pinnacle of that franchise that's when it was firing on all cylinders and it's it's messed up like they really lean into that survival horror stuff in like a very graphic way it's it's a play and i imagine we will tackle it one day on this show 
Yeah, without question. I think that a lot of people don't look back at this series fondly because of that third one, which once again, never played two or three, but I know that third one became a lot more action oriented, but really salted the earth on the Dead Space yeah. franchise. And and I think that is even a topic we could cover in the future, which sometimes as good as the first game or movie can be, when the sequels come out and they they sort of like tarnish. I mean, I don't believe in tarnishing because the first game's still out there, but people think about the series as a whole very differently. And I mean, hell, even Mass Effect is a great conversation and good mm-hmm. example of that as well. Absolutely. But, uh, something Ryan that is and not... I have an episode about that in the archives. You should go oh, listen right. to that right now. Exactly, people. Uh, well, keep not in mind, right now, but yeah, like after you're done this, then go listen to important. that and you can hear me, all of my rage towards The Force Unleashed 2. Oh, getting mad oh, thinking right. about it again. Yeah, Keith can get passionate about those things. And if, uh, if this is uh, your first podcast episode with us, we are a, a, a cycling team. Like, I mean, we can ride bicycles, but what I mean by that is, you know, we have, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. I mean, if you're oh still here, God. we have main episodes where we talk about individual games or movies, and that is a three-person-led episode. But then we have these smaller ones where we tackle like very specific topics that are catered towards one of the co-hosts. But now moving on to April 19th. Now, this is a big title. Came out for PS3, 360, and PC on the same day, Portal 2. Now, oh, man. we got to do some kind of episode in the future about the Orange Often Box. Often forgot it came out for Steam on the PS3. Don't forget that detail. Right. That is a really good... I completely forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> wow, what a failed project that was. They, they tried. They tried, but... We, yeah, we really should talk about the orange box in some capacity in the future. But what was your take up leading up to Portal 2 after the first one was very much a sleeper hit? Because I don't think anybody ever expected I that one to be as big as it was. would not call that a sleeper hit at all. It was almost immediately became like a video game culture classic, especially that stupid cake song at the end of that game. This and was a triumph. This I'm making a note here. Huge success. All right, back to Portal. <laughs> I'm like, is Keith gonna break out the full song? No, uh-huh. right, fine, let's keep going. I apparently that whole song lives in my head though. But yeah, Portal Two is a game that not only met the expectations set by the first one, because really the first one is a just a very strong tech demo. They had an idea that they threw in the orange box, and it was so good that you needed to buy the orange box just to play Portal. Then this was that idea fully fleshed out into a full game, and they not only met expectations, but they succeeded expectations. Like, I love Portal 2, and it's a... I, it's a on a very like short list of must play games if you like puzzle games as far as i'm concerned and both the single player it kept the fun wit that the first portal had the very dry um very dry sharp humor and then it added an entire co-op mode which i think a lot of people sleep on because it's very difficult like it's very mind bendy the stuff you do in the co-op but it's very good if you have a good partner to play with and yeah portal 2 i can't say enough great things about that game i love that game it was one of my like it was one of my favorite games of that year and now i just thought of something that i need to look up one moment please well, well keith looks at that up uh this uh 2011 to me was a difficult year as a gamer because 
my PS3 had stopped working around this point, and that's where I played Dead Space on a 360. But then on my PC, my GPU was starting to fail. And I remember I was kind of just like, meh about Portal 2 because I don't like to play first-person shooters on console. Like, I can do it, right? But I'm more of a third-person uh, gamer kind of person. I mean, I guess that's what a person is on yeah. console. But as there's long as a, you're a lot person. of games. That, that is true. But th- there's a lot of games within 2011, 2014 that I just completely skipped out on. Now, at the end of the year, I was able to fix my GPU because I was able to play Skyrim. So... I mean, not 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 everything was, it ended was up all working lost out. there. It like I just had like this lightning bolt of a thought when I was talking about Portal Two, because in my mind the thing that I associate the most with Portal Two is I bought my copy around the time that that huge. 2011 playstation network power outage happened and it was like wow it was down for about half the year really there's there's two games i associate with it mortal kombat 11 and portal 2 yeah it was mortal kombat 11 right the um the the remake or the reimagining yeah mortal kombat 9 thank you and I bought those games around the same time on the PS3 that that outage happened. And I remember being pissed that I couldn't play these online games. But if we're talking about 2011 and video games, like that's probably the most significant event that happened. The fact that one of the main consoles networks went down for almost six months because of hackers, a ton of information got leaked out. Like it was really a bit of a disaster of a year for Sony. You know, Let's actually figure out in one of the smaller episodes throughout this year, whether it be any combination of you or me, Ryan, something to actually talk about that, because it is something like if you're listening and watching, you have no idea what happened. Imagine that today, hypothetically, imagine that in 2021, all of a sudden Xbox Live went down for like six months or imagine Steam got shut down for six months. That's what freaking PlayStation Network went down. Exactly. And it's happening in, <laughs> in microscopic levels, but it was down for months, people, and barely functional. So yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that at some point. Uh, there's a, a couple of other notable releases, including uh, Limbo, which I've admittedly still have yet to play. Another phenomenal game. It. Yeah. it just, that's, that is like the indie game of that year where it's a, um, just a small, awesome puzzle game that has a very specific art style that you will either enjoy or you will bounce off quite hard on. I yeah, it's very it. simplistic and, and I like that type of thing in a game because it breaks the mold, especially when you think about, you know, you got Gears, you got Portal, you got Mass Effect, Dead Space, but then here's a, a side-scrolling black and white game, very simplistic. But I, and I just very, very much dark like that. undertones to it as well. Like it's the name Limbo implies what like the area that is between life and death. You're in limbo, and it really plays on that story. And it's a game where you maybe it's me, but you don't expect there to be a lot of story. But it's told in a non-conventional and great way as you progress through the game and i love it and the, the the deaths in that game are just something that makes you wince every time you see it that's good that's good stuff man now uh that came out on july 19th we got to talk about this one this is one that i know for a fact we very much love playing and experiencing gears of war 3 came out on september 20th and uh, we were full blast. I mean, for context, as you mentioned, Gears 2 was maybe one of like, 
I think that when we're old and sitting in these uh, chairs or something, Gears 2 and Resident Evil 5 will, for, for me, be one of my favorite experiences as a gamer because I didn't have, like, a whole lot of work job-wise, right? Like, I was widely available around that point. I was able to play with you and other people, but I was... I was an adult at that point or close to it, right? So I was more mindful and aware of the games that I really liked. So in your case, Gears 3, what was your hype level for that one? I was very excited for Gears 3 when it came out because of the same reasons you mentioned. Like we played through Gears 2 in a weekend, the entire campaign, and just played the hell of the uh, played the hell out of the horde mode after that. And they just took what was great about Gears 2 and made more of it. And it's a situation where I didn't play as much as I did, but I have like very distinct memories of my time with Gears 3. And if you've ever played a Gears game, I imagine everybody has at least one of two of these, but just like a couple of marathon sessions of sitting down with you and your wife and playing horde mode and for just getting through like 30, 40, 50 waves and being hours long and just this epic struggle that you go through. Cause there's always that point in the middle of a long horde mode where you lose one or two rounds and then you kind of have to get the comeback going and you have the tough waves and you really have to coordinate it. And there's just some Something so special about those one or two sessions. It's not something that I would go back to all the time because I've never been a fan of the Gears competitive multiplayer that nope. just play style I bounce off of horribly, but that uh, cooperative multiplayer through the Horde mode and some of the later modes that they added, but I've never been a fan of like the Hive mode and things like that. I just, uh, Horde mode is so freaking good and the multiplayer campaign, it just feels wrong not to play it with somebody beside you it, it shouldn't be a single player thing and god i loved my time with that game so much i don't know for me if it was a face or something because i did try to play gears 4 and everything afterwards and i kept dropping off so i i love to experience gears 2 or 3 again now just to be like was it just a thing that i loved it back then but if i played it now i would i would think differently i honestly don't know but. I think it's a time thing because I did that same thing with Gears 5 where I sat down, I played the horde mode, but just being a little older now and being more of an adult, you are sitting there like, okay, I could put an hour or two towards this one match of horde, but I have like 10 other things I need to do. Yep. It's just something that you can't really put the same kind of time into. And it's a game that asks a lot and... I mean, it gives you something in return, but you don't really get a lot in return because there's a lot of situations where you just spent two hours in a horde mode. Well, you need to walk away now and you walk away with nothing. So you stop and wonder, like, is it something that you can really put that time towards? And when there's so many other things just at like begging for your attention, I just don't know if it makes sense anymore. And that was kind of my experience with Gears 5. But like you, I'll always have those precious memories of our time with Gears 2 and 3. And something that I think is very underrated with Gears 2, 3, and other games that don't just have two-player co-op but four or more, is that, you know, you and I, we played Resident Evil 5. But it was a very intimate experience because it's only the two of us. Yeah, I remember with... Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. But then with Gears, it was the first time you mentioned like wife. And I think that was the first time that 
Nicole, you and me, like Nicole for context is my wife, where it's like, hey, we can pull more people in together. And sometimes it'd be, you know, one of your friends playing with me and some of my friends. And it's like people could get get together. And I think it's very different than multiplayer because multiplayer for me, I dropped hard uh, for from that point. I never liked Gears multiplayer. I thought Gears was vastly overrated when it first came out because nobody talked to me about the campaign. They just said, oh, you got to get this for the shotgun. I'm like, so is all you do like roll and shotgun? Because that's kind of boring for me. But then I was introduced to horror mode on two and I'm like, okay, I don't give a damn. Exactly. I don't don't care about the other stuff, but I sure as hell want to keep playing that. So very positive memories with uh, Gears 3. Now, something that came out just two days later, September 22nd, 2011, these are older games, but, you know, we've talked about HD remasters, compilations, and all of that good stuff. So there we got the Ico and Shadow of the Colossus collection for PS3. Did you get a chance to play either the original ones or this version? I've never beaten Shadow of the Colossus, and I've never played Eco. It's just one of those games that I've never put the time into. I know you're a big fan of Shadow, right? Yeah. And I respect that. I just have never taken the time to beat it. It's a beautiful game. With uh, Ico, I I actually have both games on the PS2, the PS3, and for Shadow, I have the PS4 game. So I have three versions of the same game, technically, which is not common. I only have Author's Wrath as like another game that's kind of like that. And I mean, equal, really, just artistic masterpieces, both of those games. That is true. That is true. With Ico, it's a very short game, and I tried playing it again a bit last year. It's a it's a neat experience. I think the word neat is in it, where it's very clunky. That is kind of what it is. Shadow takes that element, but because it's about climbing, for those that have never played Shadow of the Colossus, the whole point is it's boss battle of the game. The whole purpose is here's these giant beasts, colossi, that you got to take down, and you literally go to each one. There's no other bosses or enemies. It's only all of those that you got to take down. And then uh, these games were so well appreciated that they make this. They made this high definition edition on PS3 because the original one ran like ass. There's no other way to put it. I I put in my PS2 Shadow Disc like uh, about a year and a half ago, and I was like, "How in the hell did you play this at like 10 frames a second? It was way too ambitious. And the PS4 version, I mean, damn, that one's just freaking beautiful. I didn't beat it because I'm like, it is still the same game mechanically. So I was kind of like, eh, but I, th- I thought it was a, an incredible game. And I know at some point, Ron and I will persuade you to, uh, to have us experience this together in the podcast oh, yes, in some capacity. I, especially Shadow. Like, I played that PS2 version, and I guess looking back, maybe that's why I bounced off of it, because it did run like total crap. But with these, um, with having the luxury of time and remasters, it's a much more approachable, um, much more approachable game. So yes, we should beat those games one day. Maybe not Eco. Shadow though. Yeah, Shadow is always good. Goes down smooth, people. And speaking of smooth, I mean, this game right here, October 2011, I experienced this game uh, through watching my wife play because she was hooked on the series. She's beaten every single one of them. I played the first one and I thought it was exceptional. And it is one of those series where I do want to go back and experience them. 
Batman Arkham City. Oh, baby. What Keith, a you were, game. You, were deep. you went deep into this one. I remember talking to you around that point, right? Oh, I love this game. I've said a lot of good things about video games from this year so far. It's been a pretty positive episode, but this one just sits head and shoulders above the rest of them. I love this game. This this was my favorite game of this year. Not even close. I, much like your wife, was very invested in the Batman series. Arkham Asylum is just like a it's near a perfect game as far as I'm concerned. And they took the formula of Arkham, uh, Arkham Knight or Arkham Asylum. There's so many freaking Arkham games now. It's easy to get yeah. them mixed up and then just expanded on it. Now in some um, ways that didn't work as well, like I will never collect all the Riddler trophies in this game. And it's something I have zero interest in. But the story of this game is one of my favorites of the Batman series that there's a lot of, uh, especially with the Batman video games, there's a lot of negativity towards going to the Joker well constantly, where you just can't tell a good story if it doesn't involve the Joker. But this is a situation where I think it's okay that that's what this game involves, because it's a, story-wise, it's a sequel to Arkham Asylum, and the events play out um, like afterwards, and the, um, the repercussions that happen in Arkham Asylum are what set the base of this game. And they do that in a very cool way and manage to expand on the combat and the um, the stealth um, the stealth encounters of the Asylum game in a way that feel just so good and just they make this damn near perfect game and I can't recommend if if you have never played the Batman games, try Asylum, try City, and then you're pretty much good at that point, because that's when you started to get those diminishing returns as a franchise. But God, this game, they just, they had lightning in a bottle with Arkham City. I love it so much, and now I need to go back and play it just from talking about it. It's one of those games where for Nicole, when I played Yakuza 6, which you and I have talked about in, in different forums, she almost saw me play 100% of the game because visually, cinematically, it's just cool to watch somebody else play it. And for me, Arkham City was that where I wanted to play it, but I had already seen part of it. So I was just like, oh, I'll just watch you play the rest. And it's it mm -hmm. was just so enjoyable because... The mechanics work, right? Like, I, I, I have a basic understanding because I have played Arkham Asylum. It does get confusing. But the presentation, I think if there's one takeaway, that these games, they have better presentation qualities than most games that are out today. I don't know why, but there's an aesthetic, a presentation, a feel that you're not playing any video game, right? It's like you're playing a video game, but then you're playing the Arkham games. And I think that's something very special that uh, up until like Spider-Man, we haven't really gotten a lot of that with superhero games because we've had like Hulk games. It's we've true. Had, uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine is a highly underrated game, but it's a, it's a it's a cool game. This is just on a whole nother level. Now, uh, we do have a couple of other games that I want to bring up quickly. We're going to dedicate time to one of them in particular. This next one. Uh, we got to bring it up just because it's the third one of one of the biggest franchises in gaming history, Uncharted 3, Drake, uh, Drake's Deception on November 1st. I 
I've never been a fan of the Uncharted games. It's something that I tried to get into. You know, other games I just kind of skipped out on. I tried to play the first one mechanically. I was not a big fan of the floatiness and I dropped off and uh, I just never played the other ones. What about you? Yeah, by the time 3 came out, I had bounced off of the series big time. Like I played the first one and thought it was okay. They hadn't really found their footing yet. I enjoyed 2. I beat 2, but by the end of 2, I was ready to be done with that game and 3 was just something that I never I never bothered with honestly because like I mentioned earlier in this episode, I had third person fatigue by the time this game came out and there were so many other experiences that I was, um, or third person shooter fatigue, I should say, because well, Arkham is a third person game and I just glowed about that. But I had so many other experiences coming out or about to come out that I just didn't feel the need to take the time with a game that I would felt done with at that point. Point. And to this day, I still haven't touched Uncharted 3. Okay, so because it's Keith, and there's uh, there's one collection here that I got to be very mindful when I bring it up. I'm going to skip some dates and we'll leave these for the last. So towards the end of the year, we got Rayman Origins, uh, which was a, it's a very fun platformer. Legend of Zelda Scoured Sword. Shout out to Ryan, who can actually talk about that game. And we got Bastion, which was a, a big freaking deal. When Bastion came out, Bastion that was, was a December huge 9th. Deal. Wow. Yeah. I didn't I never realized Bastion was that year, but yeah, I guess it was a December game. That is a phenomenal game and that studio is still making phenomenal games. In fact, they made my favorite game of 2020. Exactly. And for for shout out, that it that game is Hades. Hades. God. So good. Hades so is good. so good. I'm still playing it. I played it on the toilet this morning good times. And somehow transitioning to that okay november these are the final two games i'll be bringing up both of them came out on november the first one is a high definition collection of some games that i think keith has played maybe 30 minutes of it's the metal gear solid hd collection i'm afraid to have this conversation I've heard about those games i hear they're all right they're pretty cool they they got a snake dude and the liquid dude yeah, and a solidus dude. Yeah, Metal Gear, my favorite franchise of all time. It's cool that those games exist in like a collection form, though it really bothers me. It is so hard to get a copy of MGS1 because they never include it in those collections. So that HD collection that came out is 2, 3, and Peace Walker. And it's the like subsistence version of three. So you get the MSX versions of Metal Gear one and two on there, but it just made it significantly more difficult to get my hands on a copy of Metal Gear Solid one. And it bothers me even thinking about it now because I love I love this collection because I love those games and Metal Gear Solid three is one of my favorite games of all time. And it was a way that made it convenient to play it on that generation of consoles. And really, because of this, it's easy to play those games currently because uh, the this HD collection is available on PlayStation Now and I believe Xbox Game Pass, the console version of Game Pass. Yeah, I, I believe so. And uh, this would not be the last time they do a collection because I don't have this one. I do have uh, the Legacy Collection, which has a digital copy of MGS1 for PS3. 
So it's not the same thing, right? Ideally, you want to have a physical one. I believe in Japan. I know. I know for a fact there was some kind of collection that did have a, a physical copy of MGS One. Yeah, but I forget it was which like one it was. A, I have that somewhere. It came with physical copies of MGS One, Two, and Three. It came exactly. out. Yeah, it was a few years earlier than this, but I bought. I own all of them. My God, I love Metal Gear. It's so good. And and at some point, we obviously have to talk about Metal Gear. I think that's going to be a year. I can already say that's not 2021, people. We can we can already sure like it is too deep into that as much as Keith may cry hearing that. And we, we obviously got to start it off with Phantom Pain. <laughs> I, I know. I know. I know you want to talk about Phantom Pain and skip the rest, right? Hey, uh, you joke, but I would love to talk about Phantom Pain on this podcast. It'd be a good conver- it would be a better conversation than the other games because I of just like the be- behind the scenes and what we actually got at the end. The Phantom Pain is a fascinating video game. It's not the best video game, but just the surroundings of it and what the final product was, it is a fascinating piece of video game history. Absolutely. And with that, we got to bring up the last game, which as of this recording is available on PC, PS3, Xbox 360, PS4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, not counting the Definitive Editions, the Game of the Year Editions, the Gotti, the Goats, all of those animals. We got to talk about the Elder Scrolls V, Skyrim. Now, oh. instead of talking oh. about, I mean, yeah, yeah you, okay, try it, try it, try it. Do, do Fusro Da. Come on, you can do it, Keith. Fusro Da. Duh. Wow, that Duh. was really bad. <laughs> Before we actually talk about the game for a few minutes, what would you say was the buildup to it? Because to me, this was a game that, much like, I guess, the new Elder Scroll, whenever it comes out in 20 years, uh, there's like hype around that. People were getting ready. This was the game that I, I heard friends say, I'm taking days off of work. I'm using my vacation days for work, right? And it was a big deal. What was that for you? Yeah, this game was a white hot release when it came out. I remember there being like a storm of excitement because the bar was set so high with Oblivion a few years earlier at the uh, at the beginning of this console generation when Oblivion came out, it kind of took the world by storm, not to the d- the degree that Skyrim ever did, but it's kind of set the pace going forward. And if I remember correctly, there was not a lot of footage for this game leading up to it. Like there was a teaser trailer at the Game Awards a year earlier. Then it just kind of went dark until close to the release. And then once the word about Skyrim started coming out, like it just set the world on fire. I remember standing in a line uh, at midnight to pick up my copy. I was one of those people that took a couple days off. I got it for the PS3 originally. I probably played half of it on the PS3 and then rebought it on the PC and started playing it with mods. And really, that's where I got my definitive Skyrim experience. I think I have like 500 hours in the PC version of that game just because of the life that mods 
brought into that game uh, for me. But yeah, just a incredible game. It's just the essence of one of those type of games, the Bethesda style Fallout, Skyrim, Elder Scrolls. If you love those games, this is arguably the best one. I love the stories, the quest, the life that is in the world of this game. Just a phenomenal experience. I remember falling in love with Oblivion, which I played on on 360 because I'd always heard about these games, but I got a game breaking bug, which I know I'm not the only person that I mean, talking about game bugs, right? It's like super relevant now, but it got a save glitch and I basically lost all my, all my data. But then when Skyrim was announced, I got this on PC. As I mentioned, like I, I fixed my computer just so I could experience this game. And actually I got a physical copy, which I think I got it at, Best Buy? I forget where it was, but I remember just going to the store and asking for a physical copy for PC in 2011, and they thought I was joking. I'm like, I pre-ordered it here. <laughs> They're so like, no, like, go to it, Steam, you idiot. <laughs> it's, it, no, and, and the thing is, I wanted the damn map. And I, I still have the case, and I, I know, Keith, Steam was a thing, but do you know who you're talking to, Keith? You're Come right. on, man. You're Come a monster. On, but yeah, that, uh, yeah, partially. But I really enjoyed my time with uh, uh, this one. I did not finish it. And I knew going in that I wasn't going to because for me, open world games, I never go in with the intention of, you know, seeing end credits. It's just I want to have a really good experience. And I remember especially the first two weeks that I played this, I would go to bed thinking about it, just wondering what was my bill going to be? You know, do I want to take a more stealth approach, more action oriented and just like walking. I remember just walking around doing nothing in the game is something that I really enjoyed. And uh, it's something that maybe I want to go back to eventually because it's been, man, I don't think I picked it up after, I think I dropped it off in about 2012. So it's been nine years since I last played it. Oh, and just imagine what the modding experience is like in that game now. I'm sure it's just perplexing. It's got to be ridiculous now, yeah. But as long as Macho Man Randy Savage Dragon still exists, then it's all I need. Oh, yeah. So with everybody watching and listening, uh, please let us know, when you think about 2011, what is the game? More so than Game of the Year, you know, people define years and games and movies they usually have that one highlight i think without question skyrim is the one here just because of the experience right it was the build-up it was the anticipation so you can head on over to a cast of the slash discord and uh you can let us know over there you can comment on youtube we have a lot of really good stuff lined up this year and uh keith could you give us a hint of what's to come in the next episode because uh next episode people Ryan and I have had the privilege of hearing Keith cringe while he's editing the audio version of the podcast as he heard us talk about physical game collecting. So what would you be bringing to the table next week? Well, let's just say that I think I've found my niche. I've found my collection and I'm currently building it up brick by brick. Is it expensive? Oh my god! It's so expensive. <laughs> oh so people, god. people, we're gonna leave you. We were, that that is the teaser. So we will be back next week with another edition of a cast to the past. 
I almost spent $300 this month on this thing. Oh my God, it's a problem. Okay, okay, we got to record that. I stopped myself.